0: Interchangeable white ladies. Oh my gosh, Annie, I'm calling you all the way from Abu Dhabi. Whoa, I can see you too,
1: because you're on this Zoom thing. It's like a Skype kind of, but for podcasting.
0: It's so good to see you. It's pretty amazing. Thank you, producer Doug, for making this happen. Thank you, Channel 253 supporters and members. Hey, if you're not a member, you
1: should become a member right now. Absolutely. This is our first episode. Hope
0: is coming to us live from the desert. Here we go. It's going to be awesome. Interchangeable. White ladies. Welcome to the Interchangeable White Ladies podcast. I'm Hope. I'm Annie. Our essential question is, how has the explosive growth of professional women's soccer changed the conversation about the game? Today, we're really excited to have a special guest, Teresa Predmore, with us. And
1: Teresa is the owner of the Rain FC soccer team and president of the Rain Academy, the only female centered youth club and development program in the Puget Sound region. Teresa grew up playing soccer in the Seattle area and went on to play at Oregon State University. She earned a master's degree in teaching and taught at the elementary and secondary levels for eight years while coaching youth soccer. For those unfamiliar with the Rain FC, we are very concerned about you as you may have been living under a rock. They are the crown jewel of sports in the Pacific Northwest and the pride of Tacoma. Uh, Teresa, welcome to the podcast. Do we miss anything important about you in your bio?
2: Uh, no,
0: I, I think that you've got it all. That's, you've covered it. So thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. We're so happy to have you. Our first question is a little bit more about you. Um, and specifically, when did you become passionate about soccer and women's soccer specifically? Well, I
2: started playing when I was uh, probably five years old uh and i played just at that point i mean that was i'm almost 50 years old so that was a long time ago where it was just rec you just played rec when you were a little kid and that was it so i played all the way through until when i was in 6th grade you could at that point join a select team so there was rec and select and that was it mm-hmm. so i moved on to play select and then i started trying out for the um the odp team which was the washington state you know development team um yeah. so i played for you know, I did ODP from the time I was 13 all the way till college um, yeah. and played select. And then I had a scholarship to Oregon State University. And so I played there. I actually had a kind of what I would call a career-ending injury. My sophomore mm. year, I broke my leg in half. And what? yeah, it was during a game and it was brutal. It was in California. And it kind of, uh, you know, I tried to come back from it, but mm. technology then with medicine was not as great. And the injury took a lot longer, and I didn't really. There was no pro league for me to even dream yeah. up at that point. So mm. I kind of was like, okay, I think I played for the rest of my career, but I definitely was not the same player. Yeah. Um, wow. And then after that, I've I continued to play in women's leagues and co ed around the greater Seattle area until probably about the time that we started the rain. I kind of, at that point, I think maybe my craving for soccer has been filled just by doing that. And I haven't, my body's really begging me to stop playing. So.
0: (laughs) Wow. What position did you play?
2: You know, I kind of played all over. I was, uh, you know, when I was younger. I played outside sort of outside midfield or center midfield Mm, in college. I played outside back. Um, I was, I was a bit of a utility player, which is, you know, I think some people are afraid of that position, but I feel like for me, it helped me get into games more often which is really what I wanted so I was great with that that spot Mm -hmm. so
1: some of our you mentioned about starting the Rain FC and some of our listeners don't know the the origin story of the Rain FC um so how did that so it sounds like you've been on a really interesting journey in terms of getting that team off the ground um what how what is that early story of how you how you got it together?
2: Well, it's kind of funny because Bill, my husband, and I sometimes look back and we were like, how did that happen? What, I don't even <laughs> remember having a conversation. I mean, we had four little kids. They were all like eight and under. Mm. And I don't really remember. I remember us, you know, we were really interested in the Sounders at that point. There was, you mm. know, we loved, I've always watched the U.S. Women's National Team since the 90s, yeah. you know, the 90s. I've been sort of obsessed with watching them. And in college, I played against a lot of those girls. Mm, Um, And so it was, you know, it was exciting for me, like, oh, when I played against Julie Foudy, I marked her and, you know, then to watch her at this level was so amazing. That's incredible. Yeah. So it was, it's, it was funny for me to have them be my role models and them be my age, you know, it was kind of a strange thing, but that was all we really had at that point. And they were such a dynamic group of women, as everyone knows. So so I followed the U.S. women's national team, which really was, you know, all there was to follow for a while in terms of women's soccer. Um, mm. I was not ever a huge fan of watching men's soccer, really. Um, I just really wanted, I always felt like when I was watching it, I wanted to play it. Um, <laughs> but then the Sounders, you know, came around, the MLS sort of, you I know, mean, I grew up going to watch the Sounders at, you know, Memorial Stadium and all the places they played.
1: It was and that, that stadium, and I was so happy when the Rain FC got got a new spot because the Memorial stadium, I remember going to see the Sounders there when I was a kid and they had the big whale banner and it was like, it was so fun, but also like soccer, our love for soccer in this community, like in the Puget Sound region is so much bigger than Memorial stadium. Right.
2: Yeah, it really is. And it's really a tight knit community. Like you, Mm -hmm. it's been so full circle for me to come back into the community and see people Mm -hmm. from my childhood, which I had completely forgotten about, you know, it was, it's really cool to do that. So so anyways, um, when I can't remember where I left off, but well, this Bill and I basically were involved. It, we really liked the Sounders. We would go mm-hmm. watch them. You know, we were season ticket holders for the first couple of years that they were um, playing in Seattle. And um, then I think it was around 2000. I, my husband was really funny because he was doing some work with the Sounders through his um, his ad agency, he had an ag- a digital agency in Seattle. And he kept jokingly saying like, can, can I suit up? Can I, I'll build this app for you if you'll let me play for free or, you know, <laughs> can we get in on it a little bit? And he, um, he was really interested in it as well. And we did not know that when we got married that we had this shared love for soccer, which is kind of funny, but uh-huh. we ended up totally like on our honeymoon, going to watch some games in Europe and being like, Oh yeah, this is something we both like. That's awesome. Yes. So- So we, um, I think it was around 2011 when the talk started of a women's league coming. And Mm. I remember we were, that's the part where I'm like, where did we have the conversation that we were going to do that? And then it just happened. And we were at the Olympics in London with our kids uh, watching the U.S. play. And it was around that time that we found out that we got the team. And so um, it was super that's exciting. Great, and then, That's a and great then, trip. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool, actually. It was a very good trip for us. Yeah. Uh, and then we just sort of hit the ground running because we had from the fall of, you know, whatever that was at 2011 and the yeah. season was going to start at, in, you know, April of 2012. And we were basically starting a new company from scratch. We had yeah. nothing. So it was a scramble to get that going. And the first year was, you know, a bit of a disaster. I think we may still, or at that point, held the longest losing streak of any team in the NBA. So I yeah. think someone of broke it, I'm hoping. I can't really remember. <laughs> but that was an embarrassing record to hold. But then it was really fun from there because, you know, going into the next two seasons, we became, in my opinion, one of the best teams ever in the world yeah and yeah. so it was that was a really exciting sort of transition from the first to the second season yeah um, and it was it was a lot of fun so that's sort of how it had all you know got started and then now we're in the at
0: the end of the seventh season here
1: congratulations that's awesome
0: yeah yeah it's exciting that's really exciting so one of the, when i was trying to um google you a little bit i i came across like you're the only woman co-owned nwsl team is that correct
2: well, I, no, I don't think so anymore. So about a year ago, Tammy Murphy is, uh, okay. sort of took, in, uh, took on the job of heading up the ownership team for Sky Blue. Okay, okay. great. And in that last year, she has really uh, done a great job transforming the organization. Um, you know, that being said, I do think in women's sports in general, women are really underrepresented. Um, Uh at the pro level, actually at all levels, but definitely at the pro level, Mm -hmm. you, you have, you know, it's, it's very tough to find female owners. Um, now I will not say that's true for the Seattle storm, of course, they're amazing, Mm -hmm. but, um, but in our league, yes. And then I will say that kind of the one thing I like that I'm starting to see a little bit more of it, the MLS has a new expansion team coming in Mm -hmm. in St. Mm -hmm. Louis and their, uh, ownership team is led by women. Oh wow! really cool yeah I think that's sort of a cool uh hope for the future you know this is what we need to start seeing it more I think women need to start seeing it and going oh that's something I can do you know it's all about exposure and -hmm. what you're used to seeing so it is nice and it's hopeful to see you know more more I think we're really in the NWSL we're not only uh, underrepresented underrepresented in the ownership by females but in the coaching, you know, coaching GMs as well. It's really led by men at this point.
1: Yeah. Well, I, that leads really beautifully into our next question. Um, we both follow you on Twitter and the Twitter profile banner for the team says we are changing the game. So how do you feel that you and Bill and the Reign of Sea are changing the game?
2: Well, so that Twitter, Twitter profile is really, uh, focused around the Reign Academy because I took over as Mm. the president of the Academy. Um, you know, and I will, I think we're going to be speaking more about the academy, but I think yeah. it really crossovers for it's, it's cross, it's a crossover for both the rain academy and the first team that mm. the academy is female centered. And it's really one of the only female centered academies in this area. I think it might yeah. be the only, I don't want mm-hmm. to totally uh, speak if I'm wrong there, but in the greater Puget Sound area, I haven't yet found another female centered academy and we are run by women. Yeah. Um, and the men that we do have are, you know, my husband is part of it, um, and some of our male coaches are men who are super uh, passionate about about wanting to change the way sports are for female athletes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And so I think that you know that is how we're dealing with the academy, and that's basically what that Twitter statement is talking about is the academy. Um, that's awesome.
1: So you had you have a background in education, so do you feel like it was a natural transition for you to be, to take on the Academy?
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I do less with the kids probably. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we've got Amy Griffin running the Academy, um, and she's probably more, um, you know, she does a lot more mm. hands-on with the kids. Yeah. I think what I really, what comes full circle for me, even more so than my education background is, my playing as a kid and not yeah. having those same opportunities, and not having, you know, these girls show up for our, you know, sessions of the, they're basically like a discovery session or a tryout, and they have these huge eyes. And I always think it's because maybe like, you know, Beviana's is there or Jess is <laughs> there. And the reality of it is, they always come up to me and say, I've never seen so many girl coaches. I've never oh, had a yeah. girl coach like they they're more in awe of that mm. sometimes than they are of the players who are there, which yeah. obviously is a huge deal. Um, and so for that part of it, for me, it really r- sort of warms my heart to know yeah. that we're able to provide that for these girls because we never had that. And a lot of these the, every, you know, group that's run in the Seattle area, minus maybe one of them is really run by men. Yeah. And um, their majority of coaches are men. And they say, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with different people saying, well, we have a really hard time finding women. Well, we yeah. didn't. And, <laughs> and I just think the problem is, is that you maybe forgot to look. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and that you uh, are you had women in your organization who you looked over many, many times. And yeah. that woman who maybe has all of her licenses and coaching is still coaching a C team in your club. And she's now coaching a DA team in ours because we recognize that's where she belongs. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't think, I don't think it's vindictive. I don't think the men are terrible men. I know a lot of them. I grew up playing against and with a lot of them. I just don't think they think to place that value on the women because they're not used to that. That's not the way Mm -hmm. it's always been run. It's always been a boys club. Um, And so for us, the reason we think starting with the Academy that we're changing the game is that we created this specifically for girls and it is run by women and men who really care about the women's game. Can you
0: speak a little bit to um, some of those differences? Like, what does it look like in terms of how the Academy is run or the kinds of um, recruiting that's done just to make it a place? I I just uh, helping our listeners understand that contrast. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think the Academy's been a little bit confusing for people.
2: I mean, it's, it's not new. We started it a few years back, but when we originally started it, we only had a couple teams, and they were specifically DA teams, which is the Development Academy, and that's the program that U.S. soccer sort of, like, promotes. Yeah. Um, the mm-hmm. DA is sort of, like, the highest level. If you want exposure to the U.S. national team, youth teams, pro team, everything, or, yeah. you know, senior team, if you want – you know, to get a better sort of recruitment for colleges, the D.A. is really where you're going to get the most recognition. Mm, right. Um, and that's maybe not for colleges, but specifically for U.S. soccer. I would say that is true. Okay. Um, and so we started with just the D.A. That was, like, we were just basically offering this, the level at which um, kids who want to play pro someday, who want to maybe play for the U.S. national team, that was that, that kid. This year, we recognized, you know, throughout the last couple of years, that there was a huge need for a club for girls, specifically. So this year, we increased our club from, I think it was four teams to 13 or something. I think we're close to 13. It's huge. It just sort of went crazy. And um, it honestly, I think, would have been bigger. But a lot of the clubs around the area, um, there was a lot of sort of... Uh, animosity toward us doing this and so there was a lot of Mm. rumors spread about us and fear put into kids a lot of bullying to the kids from other people saying like if you go play for them you'll never be allowed back here you'll never have
0: Mm. there was a
2: lot of really uh a lot of anger that was actually really shocking to bill and i um and really disheartening
0: is that just because people don't understand what y'all were trying to do or are people I think like it's viewed us as competition. I mean, I think yeah. if
2: they didn't care, they wouldn't do anything, but obviously mm-hmm. it was a competitive thing. And yeah. I think it's threatening to come in saying we're completely centered around women and we're the yeah. only ones doing right. it. Mm-hmm. That right. a lot yeah. of people don't like yeah. that. It, let let yeah. alone we're competition, but right. we're women doing this. And that's a scary thing yeah. for some men. Understandably so. Like I get that. Um, But it is the way of the future. This is the way it has to be now. That we have to start supporting these. So, so we increased it, um, and the teams were, you know, whatever. We now have three different programs within the academy. So, Mm -hmm. the first one is the reserves, and those are um, that's sort of for kids who want to have more flexibility and maybe a reduced time commitment. Like Mm -hmm. you don't want to be playing four days a week, at you know, whatever. Twelve years old. That doesn't sound yeah. good to you. you want to, to play <laughs>
0: different sports
2: and try different things? Like that's the to me that was the way I grew up. I like that system. Um, and then you have the pre academy, and that's where it starts to get a little bit more intense. Where maybe that is the pathway to the DA for them. That's what they mm-hmm. want to get to. And then the DA is the kids who that's that you know whatever certain percentage of kids who really do want to play pro. They want to play for the U.S. national team. This is what they're aiming for. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But the cool thing in the academy is that all three of these different programs, they're all run with the DA level curriculum. Mm-hmm. They're all run by the coaching staff who are DA level coaching staff and they all have the same training environments. Wow. So it's really high level for them. And they have access to um Vladco, who's the coach of the rain. He does sessions yeah. with coaches, with players. That's awesome. Um, they have access to rain players who are always coming out to training sessions and working with the yep. girls. And so that provides something completely unique that nobody else can offer. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really cool. It's growing. It's new. There's still kinks in it that we're trying to work through um, because it, it really grew so fast this year. It's shocking what a mm-hmm. need there was for it.
0: Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of where we are with the Academy now it's really exciting hear you talk about this and we talk a lot on our show about like intersect, inter- intersectional things and just like how do you create access and like all the systemic issues that prevent access and so I love how you're talking about just the way that the academy is approaching this um, particularly like even if the girls are in reserves um, and quote unquote less committed or like not interested in that same level they still have access to these amaz- amazing athletes and professionals it's really uh, amazing actually yeah, yeah, yeah. thank you um, so do you actually kind of extending that a little bit further, do you, where do you see the Academy going? What's some kind of vision that you hope um, to take it further in a certain area or what are you hoping to see?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, it's always funny when a company that you have starts to grow really quickly, you want yeah. to, you, you want to maintain the authenticity of it. Um, and so we don't want to grow it so fast that we lose that. Yep. Um, but I do think for us, for the future of it, we we do feel like we offer something unique because of the access we have to the pro players. Um, They they are role models for these girls and they're role models as really strong women. And so for me, what I like to see for the future is these girls seeing right in their backyard, here's what I could do. Mm -hmm. Um, And not just not just be an athlete, like a a professional athlete, but I could be, I I like the Academy because I think we're trying to create sort of well-rounded human beings. We're trying to instill values like integrity and character and self-respect. There's a lot more to just to it than just going out and playing. We Mm -hmm. um, provide different opportunities to them for some social, emotional learning. And um, I see that as like, these girls will take this to the future as future CEOs or artists or whatever it is that they want to do in their career paths, they've we've provided female role models that don't just have to be athletes, but they're yeah. strong women who are saying, "Here's what you deserve. Here's what we're going to give you, mm-hmm. and here's what we want to see you take for the future of the girls in this in the mm-hmm. world." And so that's sort of the hope for the future for us and whatever that means, um, you know. It, if it's growing or moving into different directions or expanding, we just, we hope to do that while we maintain the sort of um, what our, what our mission really is. We don't want to lose track of that because I do think a lot of these clubs just become a a money-making machine for people Mm. that they've Mm. lost sight. Like you look at some of these kids, they're not having fun anymore. They're dropping out of the sport because it's too intense for them. It's too much. And Um, I think it's so sad. Like, As a player, I was able to play. I played soccer, and I played every other sport. My goal was to play every other sport to make me better at soccer. Mm -hmm. That was Mm -hmm. me personally. I probably would have been one of those kids who wanted to be a part of the DA. Um, But I also did not want to give up all those other sports for that. And so for me, it's just really the future for me with the kids is just really allowing them to be Mm well-rounded, happy, people who are enjoying this is their passion this is what they want to do
1: that's rad
0: that's really that's really beautiful
1: and it seems like Uh, by by kind of maintaining that integrity of your program and keeping it that like the social emotional and helping your girls develop into well-rounded adults that you're going to you're not just um i mean obviously you're you're creating great athletes but Oh, they're working hard to become great athletes, but just the fact that we need more young people who know how to navigate like social situations, who know how to network. I mean, we see that in the schools a lot, right? That kids struggle yeah. emotionally, socially connecting with their peers and that this generation of kids in particular are having a hard time with that. So,
2: Yeah. Well, and sports are huge for girls. They're really yeah. huge. They did some, there was some, I think it was like Forbes did – I can't remember if that's who it was. I don't want to misspeak on who it was, but they did a study of female CEOs mm-hmm. and it was like 60 something percent of female CEOs, uh, played sports in high school, college, wow. or at least just one of those levels. Yeah. Well, I think the skills that come to you from being an athlete and having to work as a team, having to strive for your individual, you know, greatness. Yeah. Um, all the commitment, the drive, the focus, the balancing of your life with your homework and your friends—it really prepares you to have these roles. And, and we've been looking at forever. Men have been in these roles. This is what they've been doing, mm, yeah. and they've been allowed to have it in sports growing up. So, not shocking that they're really good at running companies and being right. CEOs and doing. It. They've had. They've had hundreds of years of practice of how to do these sports right. things together and women are just figuring this out so we're going to start to see as these girls have opportunity in sport it is going to transfer into the business
0: world absolutely yeah uh that seems like a good spot to take a quick break and then when we come back we'll ask you a little bit more about where you think the league is going
3: this is alaska airlines mileage plan mvp nate bowling host of the channel 253 sister podcast nerd farmer Hope and I are setting off on a new adventure. We're moving to the Middle East for the next few years and exploring a new culture. Don't worry, don't worry, the Nerd Farmer podcast isn't going anywhere. But do you know what is coming with us? My Alaska Airlines mileage plan. Here's what's cool. Alaska has more than 15 global partners, which allows me to earn and use Alaska miles even when I'm not flying Alaska. So if I leave SeaTac and fly direct to Dubai on Emirates on an eligible fare, I'm going to earn Alaska miles on that flight. That means whenever I fly home, I'm gonna be racking up some insane miles that I can use to book future travel. If you have an international vacation plan, check out the list of Alaska Airlines partners, like Japan Airlines, British Airways, Cathay Pacific, Qantas, and a whole lot more. Enter your Alaska Airlines mileage plan number when you book with Alaska Global Partners, and watch those miles add up toward elite status on your next trip. My thanks to Alaska Airlines for their continued support of Channel 253. Learn more at alaskaair.com backslash global partners.
1: And we're back with Teresa. The thing I need to tell you really important before we start talking to her again is that you should be a member of Channel 253. It is $4 a month or $40 a year, and there's some great benefits. So go log on to our website and become a member today. And we're officially back. So... Teresa, what is your vision for the league? So we, we know that the Rain F C is just a phenomenal team. I, I mentioned in the intro that they are the crown jewel of of sports. And I'm not talking like women's sports. I'm talking sports, period. Yep. In the Pacific Northwest, um and the West Coast and America and the world. So um what's your vision for <laughs> I the team? Period. I feel period. Like
2: you might be a fan. It's hard I am, to tell yes. I, I don't know if
1: you I don't know if you can see me right now. We're on some <laughs> technology. Can, yeah. I'm wearing my, my Rain F C Uh, Oh, I love that. That's the rainbow
2: scarf you have on.
1: Yeah. That's actually my kids love that one. It's one of my faves. Hope got me this. (laughs) (laughs) What's your, so what's your vision for the league? Where do you see, what do you see the, the future of the league being in the next few years or over the
2: next decade? Well, so, you know, while my vision is, I think important, I think it's what's great to remember is that Bill and I both are part of a whole ownership group. And so we are all responsible for the collective shaping of the league and where Mm -hmm. we're going with this. Um, So I think one thing we really want to do, and I speak, I think on behalf of all of the owners in the NWSL is we want to maintain the position we have now as the best women's league in the world. And that's from top to bottom. So you're going to have leagues around the world, you know, in Europe or wherever where the top team or the top two teams you know, that team might be the best team in the world at the time, Mm. but there's from top to bottom, that's going to be it. You're going to have two top teams and then there's no competition all the way through the season. Yeah, You don't have that in the NWSL from week to week. It doesn't matter where you are on the table. um, You could win or lose. And that's, what's so exciting of what you, you can never say, Oh, well we've got this team this weekend. We're totally fine. Even if they've been losing all year, that team is very likely because they have the heart that day to come in and crush you. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The caliber, the
1: caliber of athletes in the league is incredible.
2: It's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's, you know, that was one of the other things is keeping, um, keeping players in the league and attracting players from around the world into the league is something that, you know, that we want to be able to keep doing and, Mm. you know, you know, whatever, even make it better. Um, I think, economic sustainability is huge at this point. Um, We are needing to make sure that we maintain the increased ticket revenue. Uh, We've had Mm -hmm. a huge bump since the World Cup. Yeah, um, yep. it's not really like the bump we had after the Vancouver World Cup. It feels way different. It feels bigger mm,
0: and it feels different.
2: like it's sustained. And probably because we're having more games now, we have more time. Mm-hmm. But that's great news for us. I mean, I think it was Washington a couple of weeks ago. There's been a lot of teams that are being playing games in big stadiums to kind of see what will happen. Mm -hmm. And I think Washington was a great example where they had like 19,000 fans or something. It was unbelievable. I mean, you expect that in Portland and you expect that, you know, but for that to happen in Washington to me was like, that was a great success story for them. Um, And I felt really proud of them for being able to do that. And it's so good for our league. So we need to keep the ticket revenue up. Um, We've had in Tacoma, thank you, Tacoma, sellouts for so many of our games. It's incredible. Yeah. I think it's it's I have friends who are like, hey, can I get tickets to the game this week? I'm like, no, we don't <laughs> <Nope. laughs> <I>, I'm not <laughs> sorry to say we sold out. I can't yeah. give you a ticket this time. So it's yeah. kind of cool to
1: have that. We were I think Hope Hope and I were both at the homecoming game and and it was so it was so crowded. And not in a bad way. Like it wasn't overcrowded, oh. but it was so crowded that it was like the energy was so awesome because there were so many people there who were so and that, excited. And that stadium,
2: like I love Memorial and I loved our memories at Memorial, but yeah. what Tacoma brings in that stadium for everyone that it's just like the small things you forget that matter. Like you can go sit down and yeah. have a beer and have food that tastes yeah. good. And <laughs> the game it's, you've got options to sit where yeah. I love the way it's set up. I just think yeah. it's really cool. So I, I think Tacoma has just been for us. A game changer in yeah. in, you know, in terms of um, what it brings for the fans um, we love the grass
1: we love the grass at Memorial Stadium it's great if you have little kids And yeah. it, it's just a great setup for families so yeah we, yeah. we really appreciate the flexibility in the seating it at, at our, new our kids love
2: the, um, the little wiffle ball over in the corner yeah <laughs> run I, I don't know why they're so obsessed with it but they'll tear out of our area and go yeah flying with wiffle ball court so oh, that's awesome Yes, yeah, So, um, I think, you know, keeping that increased ticket revenue is important. Um, we need more support from corporate sponsors. So that's something mm. we're really working on. It's really important. Uh, corporate sponsorship sort of validates who we are mm. as a league, um, yeah. to the, to the public. And so that's, that matters. Um, national TV deal needs mm. to happen. Um, that makes us relevant. We are worth being put on tv yeah right um and so i I think that has to happen um and then my biggest pet peeve and biggest hope is greater coverage by the press yeah Um, Yeah. the press coverage is maddening and makes me sad all at the Mm. same time um we have certain you know pieces of certain people in the local area who really really care and reach out and we've got the seattle times which is our biggest print news in Seattle who, you know, we have a really hard time getting them to cover us. Yeah. Um, that's cool. You know, at Tacoma, I think it's been better, mm-hmm, honestly. Yeah. Uh but in Seattle that's been pretty tough. So and it's not just local coverage, it's national coverage. I mean we, yeah. we're at we're getting ready to enter, like we just won a game and we're getting ready ready to enter into the playoffs. Yeah. Right. You know, for the most part. It's not sealed, but for the most part there's not even information. It's hard to find information. You know, Megan Rapino won The award, you know, recently for the in wherever she was in Milan or something. Yeah, Milan, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. biggest award you can win as an athlete for soccer. And it took the Seattle Times on Twitter 12 plus hours to tweet about it. And we all know the way the Twitter world takes. It takes 30 seconds to tweet something important to you. Wow. Um, There was, I counted 24 posts about football in between. Wow. Yeah. And nothing big, nothing that was really big that was happening. It was a Monday, you know, like, okay, it was, there was no Seahawks game that <laughs> night, whatever. Right. I was taunting. I was so irritated. I'm oh, like, what are they going to put this up? Yeah. So the press coverage has to change. We need more of that. Um, yeah. And then, you know, on top of that, I think we need better partnerships with our local government. Um, they've been subsidizing stadiums for men's sports teams for years, and we've all paid for it. Yep. And now I want to know when they're going to make sports teams for women. And the, yeah, yep. you know, when are like, I've paid for these sports places to be there and now I'm ready for people to pay and I'll pay too for these stadiums to be built for women. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's all over the country. It's all over the world. You just don't see stadiums being built for female teams.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and so I think for that's, those are sort of the visions we have. Um, and I think that's, I think, Bill and I both can speak on behalf of the NWSL ownership team. Mm. Those things all matter to us. Absolutely. And that's where we see we need to move. So with
1: the, with the television um, coverage in particular, I was in Houston during the World Cup final. And it was, I mean, you can go to a bar and they, ha- they had, you know, coverage on network television in it. But during the regular season, it's. I think the rain typically, Though I think the only place you can find it online is Yahoo Sports is that right? Well,
2: now since the World Cup, we've had a. There has been a deal with ESPN. So okay. some of the games. So last weekend's game in right, yeah. was on ESPN, and it was. Yeah. It was really cool. Like you pull up to the stadium. Yeah. And there yeah. are the the ESPN. You know, vans everywhere and cameras. everywhere. it was it felt so professional, and I just kept yeah. thinking, this is what yeah. these women should feel every single game. This is yep. what they need to feel. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So. Exactly. Well, so that's, yeah, that's, that's great.
2: That's a, that's a huge goal of ours to get that to happen. Awesome.
0: That's great. I, I think it's actually might be a good time to go to our final segment, Annie. What do you think?
2: Yeah, it sounds great.
1: Do your fudging homework. <laughs> Interchangeable. Right,
0: ladies. I don't know if we prepped you for this. Um, I can't remember if I prepped you in the email, but in this last segment, um, first of all, thank you so much for everything you shared. Um, you like all the things you mentioned in the last little part, um, I didn't even have, have any follow-up questions because I'm just like amening over here in Abu Dhabi like, yeah, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> oh, um, nice. our, final, our final segment really is about, is there any recommendation that you have for listeners in terms of something that they can do or read or just become uh, more knowledgeable about the issues, become, we, we joke around and say less basic? Um, is there anything you think of that fits in that category? I feel like, um, I feel like you guys moment- teach middle
2: schoolers. That's where you, is that where you get that less basic thing? Because my middle schoolers use yeah, that so basic yeah Yeah. I would teach high (laughs) school and same yeah same (laughs) Um, yeah well I think I think that's actually a big question people want to know like what can we do so there's a lot of things you can do you can if you have a team in your area you can go to the games like everybody is I have I have a lot of friends who have kids who play soccer and they've never they go they spend all of their money going to other sports that are male sports and yeah. I'm, we're right here. And I know for some people in Seattle, Tacoma feels far. But it's not, it's not too Tacoma bad. and Olympia have been driving to Seattle for seven years. So, exactly. years. Exactly.
0: so um,
2: you know, going to the games, buying the merchandise, wearing it around. I mean, it's so funny when, when we, our family is in the car somewhere and we see someone wearing rain gear. My kids always scream or there's a rain bumper sticker on that. And when we were in, we went to the World Cup this year. Yes. Yeah. We were in France and we left, we had left like Lyon where the final was and we were driving yeah. down to Italy in our, you know, big nine passenger van. And <laughs> we pull over in one of the rest stops and there's some people there wearing rain gear. And so we went up and talked to them. And that's awesome. It was so exciting to like, to see that. It turns out they were huge fans. And yeah. um, so that's marketing for us. Wear your gear. You know, we, we buy gear and give it to people all the time as gifts. Um, I think sort of the demand if you watch the games that are on espn that's where the demand rises like you people are watching it oh you know we do we are valid we are relevant people do want to see this you know espn and other tv you know sort of i think markets where sports are considered this is a super valid market will pay attention to if more people are watching let's increase it um, so I think that's something you can do. I think, um, and I was just doing a podcast the other night with one of the, uh, storm owners and we were yeah. ranting about this together, the <laughs> same thing. Um, I think you can talk to your friends about it. Like just having conversations. I know it's funny to think about sometimes our son is, we, we have three girls and one boy and he's the youngest, he's 10 and he's the biggest yeah. rain fan of them all. His whole room is rain and storm stuff everywhere. Like, that's he awesome. Loves, yeah. Because it's exposure. That's all he's ever really known, um, which is sort of hope for the future. Like, oh, this is what can happen if a little boy gets to watch female mm-hmm. sports all the time. He is always, he's talking to his friends about it. He gets his friends to go to the games. Um, his friends are huge Rain fans now. And in the beginning, yeah. they used to say things, they used to say really, like, weirdly sexist things to him when they were, like, eight years old. Like, why would I go watch girls play sports? Mm. And so talking to people Boo. is a huge deal. Yeah. And, telling people about it is a big deal. You know, if you know people who, you know, you're at your company, your organization as a team bonding thing, let's all go to a rain game together. Right. Let's start promoting. Yes. And if you have a lot of women at yeah. the table, the women are going to be like, all right, let's go. And then, Oh, the men want to come along. Let's do this. So it's really a lot of little things that you can do yeah. like that, but it's just really just starting to, and, and I think another big one is really when you have kids it's so great to expose them to it. Mm -hmm. Um, I never really was a basketball fan. Um, You know, I liked that we had the Sonics when I was a little kid in Seattle because my dad used to go watch them and I supported. But the Storm, our um, son's friends got us actually involved. He has two little, he has these two twin best friends and their mom brought us to Storm Games and that was where Mm -hmm. we started getting into it. And we're obsessed with it now. We love it. And there's just something about watching these, women perform that just it makes you feel you're really up close it's personal they're tremendous athletes mm-hmm. you know and so I think it's a very powerful thing to just start going to watch it buy the tickets you don't have to buy seasons tickets go to a game I guarantee yeah. you will be hooked after that
0: yeah so yeah.
2: that's why cool. I can feel that's myself getting like out of breath because this is my <laughs> I love
0: it, <laughs> I love it. Not that hard <laughs> One of the things you said reminded me. So I had a friend when, when rain first came um, at the beginning of the season and he mentioned, he's like, I can't wait for my daughter to come see these players. And then he paused and he said, actually I want my son to see them even more. So yeah. And just to your point of like changing the narrative for what it means, like a good athlete looks like, sounds like acts like um, it's really, really important. So thank you yeah. for all the, those hot tips there. Yeah. All that uh, Annie, do you have any recs or homework? Well, I was,
1: I did go on the rain FC website while teresa was talking about gear yeah. because i realized i don't have very i have a tank top there's a
2: hot sale right now going i know on. that's <laughs> what i was gonna say
1: your homework is to go check out the sale it's like 50 percent off or more on all items for fan appreciation so um highly recommend you, you go stuff s- on sale and people are going crazy it's yeah. really fun like the prices are really good <laughs> so that's your homework um go buy some rain gear of uh, it's actually kind of a I feel like that's not really a homework because it was Teresa's homework first. So um, <laughs> yeah.
2: maybe. Well, and I highly recommend the. I don't know if they still have them, but the rain blankets. Oh, oh my gosh, yeah. they are the best. they're so fuzzy and good. I
1: what? like those. So. That
2: sounds amazing. Yeah,
1: um, awesome. I would also recommend if there. And maybe I can Teresa. This might be a question for you too. If if people want to support the activities of the Rain Academy, I know that that's like. Um, I don't know if you have any um, scholarships or anything for girls who. Um, need yeah. them, but is if there's any way to support the Rain Academy? I think that that would be my additional homework if I can give two. So yeah,
2: yeah. And, and just as a side note, the um, the DA does offer a lot of scholarships. It's U.S. Soccer offering a lot of yeah. scholarships for girls. So that's definitely a possibility. That's that's one of the things that's really hard for me is how expensive soccer has become for kids. Yeah. And that's sort of my one of my long term hopes is to figure out how to change that. Yeah. Um, but for right now, yeah, there's definitely scholarships available. That's awesome. n- nobody should be left out of that uh, opportunity and that environment. Excellent.
0: I think that's a great place to end the show today. Uh Teresa, thank you so much. We're really glad I finally you. worked out to connect with you and just all the things you shared with us. We really, really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Thank you guys for having me. It was great fun. Absolutely. Have
2: a great day. All right. Thanks. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>
1: Oh my God, this is so great. Sorry, it was just so awkward. Do it again. (laughs) Weirdo, I love you.
0: Thanks for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Bye. (laughs) What? It's your fault.
1: Doug said it's fine. Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is sponsored by
0: Alaska Airlines. We fly fly Alaska. Alaska. Book your next flight on alaskaair.com. This is Channel 253.